Coming live from Denver, Colorado, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Dr. Drani Brussel, author, speaker, coach. He's a results leader. Welcome to the show, Dr. Danny. Oh, thank you so much for having me, AJ. Namaste. And most importantly, thanks for spreading joy around the world. We need a lot more of you and a lot less of the nonsense. <laughs> right. That makes a lot of sense, indeed. <laughs> no, and not only, and, and it makes more sense that more and more of this tribe should increase so that there is better sort, better word about, you know, reading, because that's what we'll be talking about, how to lead, read, and succeed with you. You know about these things. So first, my question about reading itself is, Dr. Danny, is that have you ever been not fond of reading ever? Do you remember a time? <laughs> my entire childhood. It's, it's ironic, AJ, that I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian and I always hated the library. It always smelled funny. The furniture was always uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was always some crazy homeless guy who thought he was a vampire hanging out at the library. I always hated the library. And it wasn't until I started teaching in South Central Los Angeles in the inner city where I saw a lot of my students didn't have the advantages that I had growing up. I mean, I was very blessed, AJ. Both of my parents were in the home. Uh, we weren't very rich, but we always had food on the table. And my parents always read to us kids, in front of us kids, and we always had plenty of access to reading materials. And so that really became my passion is, and India does a better job of this than America. In America, I always tell people, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it learning how to read if you never want to read? I teach people why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they love it. And so one of my uh, specialties is showing people, even adults that grew up hating reading, how to make reading part of your uh, daily routine. Right. Right, Danny. It's nice to see so many books in the background. And I guess this is the real background and not, not the artificial created ones. No, it was... That was my goal is I wanted a shelf of just books that I had written. So I have, these are all the books I written. And then I, I, I always used to admire people with libraries and I'd ask them if they had read all the books. And most people have never read the books they have in their libraries. And so I can assure you, I've actually read all of these books. And uh, that's, that was a, that was a goal of mine. I'm like, I won't put a book behind me that I haven't read. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. For, from a, for a kid, who did not like to read too much to being the author of 16 books and your latest is leadership begins with motivation. Oh, there so, we go. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, you went from not liking reading to teaching. So what would you like to tell for today's time? Why is reading important? And, and in terms of, People, it's not about just gaining knowledge, even for leadership, how to, because, and even for success, because everybody wants to succeed. 
So how would you put it, both for general people in terms of the importance of reading and as well as in, in terms of, you know, for leaders, the importance of reading so that they can succeed in not only making their own life better and fulfilled, but also a lot of lives who are very dependent on the decisions that they take. Yeah, that's, that's a huge question, AJ. I appreciate that question. Well, to address just for general audience, you know, a, a book is your passport to the world. You don't ever have to leave India, but you can travel the world by reading authors from Russia and Nigeria and uh, Britain, uh, which is wonderful. For leaders in all fields, I, I know plenty of readers that don't necessarily become effective leaders, but I have never read about an effective leader who was not also an avid reader, whether they were in the military or in government or in business, athletics, entertainment, all of these people are avid readers. And you're right, it doesn't necessarily have to be for information. Uh, a lot of people forget this, but there was a press conference many years ago with President Kennedy, and one of the journalists asked President Kennedy what he was reading. And he said, oh, I'm reading this interesting uh, spy novel by Ian Fleming about this uh, uh, secret agent named James Bond. <laughs> well, MGM heard that, and so they bought the rights to the James Bond franchise, and that's why we have all the great James Bond movies, which is just based on that. Uh, I love to read about successful people in all fields, and that's one of the things I always poke fun at, is if you look at most successful people, they usually have one thing in common, they dropped out of school, which tells me we're not doing what we need to be doing for, for our kids. And every kid is different. I mean, I've been to India and I loved it because I would tell the kids, hey, this works for you, but it, not, it might not work for you. And, and that's really my, my goal as a teacher, as a coach, is trying to figure out what your interests are and build a reading program around that. Because our research is really clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. When I taught eight-year-olds, I had a little boy, Kiara, and his previous teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Well, Kiara, who didn't know nothing, comes into my classroom one day. He's like, hey, Mr. Brissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points and 16 rebounds. I said, thank you, Kiara, because from that day forward, every day after lunch, I'd sit him on my lap. We'd read the Los Angeles Times sports page together. And wouldn't you know it, by the end of the year, he was one of my best readers. And all that kid read about was sports. Now, do I think Shakespeare is important? Absolutely. But before you, you read Shakespeare, you got to get the kid interested in that. I see so many adults our age, AJ, who aren't reading anything. And I'm like, well, that's a mistake. Uh, if you... It, we're talking a lot to entrepreneurs, small business owners. You look at people like Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world. He spends all of his day reading. Elon Musk runs $4 billion companies. He reads a book a day. Uh, successful people are avid readers. President Teddy Roosevelt, they say, even when he was president of the United States, read three books a day. Well, I love that because one of the great things I love about reading is it exposes me to different cultures. Before I went to India, I had read Gandhi's autobiography. And I always love showing people Gandhi's autobiography because I, I always point out to people, look at the copyright date. It's 1925. He wrote this book 20 years before he liberated India. 
and look at everything he had accomplished already. I mean, that's that's why I read, and that's why I'm encouraging. And it, whenever I find a person says I don't like to read, I'm like, oh, I'll get you to like reading within an hour. I'll, I'll find the ways to. Get, and there's lots of different. You talked about it. You know, there's different types of reading. Reading can be a novel, but when was the last time as a business person, your boss said, hey, I need you, AJ, to, to read this novel by tomorrow? You never hear that. There's technical reading. You know, I'm not a very good technical reader, but I know plenty of uh, engineers that are excellent at technical reading. You and I have something in common. We both used to be journalists. The newspaper yeah, is a wonderful resource. Uh, I, lo- I, I try to avoid the newspaper now because it's always negative, and I'm always trying to fill my mind with positive things. Uh, and even even your cell phone, when used properly, you can use this as a wonderful reading tool. I mean, one of the things I do is while everybody else is on social media, I just have updates every single day because I'm trying to learn things all the time. And so uh, uh, I'm a bad Christian. I don't know a lot of scripture. And so, like, I'll have reminders uh, every day at uh, – um, you know, at 11, 11 at night, I, I go through Matthew 23, 11 is the more lowly your service to others, the greater you are to be the greatest, be a servant. OK, I'm trying to learn that. Uh, I had read the book Dune recently, and there's a great thing in Dune called the litany against fear. So every day at 9, 11 in the morning, I have this update to remember I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I'm learning it. Um I love King Henry V by William Shakespeare, and my favorite part of that play is the St. Crispian Day speech, which happens in Act 4, Scene 4. So every day at 4.04, I'm trying to memorize the 50 lines of the uh, St. Crispian Day speech. Uh, I got married on December 20th, so every day at 12.20, I have a reminder to tell my wife I love her. So... I'm trying to incorporate reading in practical ways that help me every single day. I know that's a very long answer to your question, but I, I get passionate about this, AJ. <laughs> it, it's, it's the perfect answer, uh, Danny. And that's what we need to, you know, uh, hear at this point in time, because we are, you know, we, we are in these times of chat GPT and a lot of AI. Forget about reading for people are not even wanting to write official mails themselves or any sort of an official uh, article or anything. They want the first draft, as they say, from uh, from AI, from from the help of AI. So let's leave at that, uh, leave that thing aside for the moment. But in terms of, you know, how do you increase that reading habit in people? But let me tell you here, you started this program, Cyber uh, Smarties program, and and, and that is something that is uh, that's commendable. And tell us about that. What made you to go for that program? And what exactly did you want to achieve that? How was the experience about it? Is it promising? Does it look like that kids would want to go for more reading? Or do, do we have a, a difficult problem at hand and that one would keep on scrolling on their phones? Okay, so that, that's great. You've opened up a whole can of worms. There's all kinds of things in there. So I didn't actually start Cyber Smarties. One of the, the benefits of the pandemic was I started communicating with people all over the world. And I connected with a guy named Dermot Hudner in Ireland. And he and I have the same passion. How do you develop better habits in people? And one of my concerns has been 
social media. Nobody ever taught us how to use social media. And of course, when things always begin, they always start at the lowest common denominator. It's very negative. And so Dearmid started Cyber Smarties, which is a social media platform for children ages 5 to 12. And in order for a person to go on, you have to be a kid. So both the police department and the school has to verify that it's actually a child. And the way it works is, let's say the kid writes a message. I write a message to you. I'm like, AJ, I think you're ugly. Well, it won't let me send the message. Instead, it has a pop-up that says, that's not a nice thing to say to AJ. What are better ways to phrase that? And it frustrates kids because it slows them down. And so within two days, they learn only to send positive messages. And so the program has basically eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland. We're now in India. Actually, almost half of our team is from India. I mean, Pralad, our head engineer, is one of my favorite people in the world. He actually, Pralad, who works with me, uh, one of the first schools I spoke at in Chennai, he actually went to that elementary school. I couldn't believe it, the Nehru School. Um, uh, now we're also in New Zealand. We're in uh, the UAE. We're in Turkey. Um, and we're all about how do we create positive habits in children. When I was in India, I was very blessed because uh, I spoke to about 25 schools, mostly in Tamil Nadu, in Chennai, Bangalore, and Uti. Um, loved it. Loved every moment of it. Um, I, I, I can tell your Indian audience right now, there's a couple of things you need to be aware of. Uh, first of all, America's crazy. We get a lot of the best Indian students into our universities and we won't give them visas to stay in America, which worked for a while, but now it's really backfired because now all these students are going back to India and you and I see it. India is becoming filled with entrepreneurs and those businesses are competing against America and you're much better at it now. I mean, I, I, I think it's incredible. Um, I love that about India, but the other thing that really impressed me about India is if you were to ask a kid who are the 20 most admired people in the United States, they're going to say professional athletes, maybe movie stars, a lot of uh, uh, rappers, musicians. When you go to India and you ask kids, who are the 20 most admired people in India? It's all engineers, educators, business people. I'm like, wow, I, I just see, I, I spoke at one school and uh, I, I was telling, it was an all girls school. And I, I told them, I said, Hey, now is your moment, India. I mean, within the next five years, India will be the largest country on the planet in terms of population. I mean, you're a very young democracy. You're only about 75 years old, yet you've already elected a woman prime minister. America still hasn't elected a woman president. I mean, right now, there are twice as many women in India as there are people in the United States. There are actually more women in India with a graduate degree than there are people in the United States. And I see just a whole shift in the world right now where, you know, I, I, I see this is what gets me excited about technology. Everybody else fears technology. They, I've been talking about chat GPT now for the last month. Everybody's terrified of chat GPT. And I said, you know, you can fear technology or you can embrace technology. It's been the same argument. You and I have heard this argument forever. The Greeks complained 2,000 years ago, oh, you have to write it down. You can't even memorize it. Kids are going down the toilet. It's crazy. You know, television was going to be the end of civilization. Movies, oh, social media. Now it's chat GPT. 
I think ChatGPT is wonderful when used properly. You can use it in a positive way. And by the way, it's filled with grammatical errors and factual errors. So I use ChatGPT really just for brainstorming. I don't use it like, as a journalist. There's no way I would ever use it as a resource. I mean, it, it can give me some background information, but I'm going to check those facts because I don't know if they're accurate. Um, you know, and this is this is just the way of the world. And so that's what I love about that question, AJ, is when we're talking about social media, a lot of people think that that's not a form of reading and writing. I'm like, of course, it's a form of reading and writing. It's different. You know, uh, my youngest daughter, I, I read different books with all three of my kids because all of them have different interests. And for some reason, my youngest daughter, she likes literature which is my least favorite thing in the world, AJ. I just had to read The Great Gatsby to her. I hate that book. Uh, drives me nuts. Most boring story I've ever read, but she wanted me to read it to her. Uh, but the book we're reading right now is Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. And AJ, it'll crack you up. I, I mean, India probably is very familiar with it because a, a lot of you still have a British schooling system. But as I read that book, first of all, I have to get a dictionary on almost every sentence. I'm like, oh, my gosh, have we become that stupid in the world? They used to write so much better 200 years ago. Um, it just amazes me when I'm reading it to her. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, 200 years from now, people are going to be reading our text to one another. I mean, that's that's pretty pathetic. That's it. The lowering of uh, civilization. But again, it's just a change. I, there's a great book by... Uh, General Eric Shinseki, he used to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the United States. And uh, when I'm talking to corporations about change, I always use his quote. He says, well, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. And you and I were having a great conversation earlier about this, about how market shift, too. We're seeing a shift right now from a Chinese world-dependent market where India is really now going to be the major player because you have a highly educated population. You now have desire, uh, ingenuity. I mean, these are the things that were missing before where Indians weren't willing to take those risks before. Now they're taking those risks. And I think it's everybody fears that. But again, you and I know this as journalists. I mean, the world is one place. We're all in this together. I mean, I don't even know how much nations matter anymore. You saw it a couple of years ago. A tiny country like Greece, their economy falls apart and the entire world collapses because of Greece. Now, can you imagine if something happened to India or China or America? I mean, that'd be catastrophe. Um, but, you know, I don't not, I'm not a, I'm not a pessimist. I, I, I look at the pandemic and everybody else looks at the bad things. I'm like, I look at all the great things. I mean, because of the pandemic. You and I are talking right now because I didn't realize we had StreamYard and Zoom and all these things. I can now do interviews. The other day I did an interview on live television in Nigeria, in Nepal, and South Carolina, all on the same day. And I'm like, wow. And the more – this is why I love reading, too, is you get to see people's perspectives – and I don't, I don't have to agree with the perspective to understand a perspective. And, oh, that's right. interesting. That's a different way of thinking. I mean, is, you just see it in India as well. I mean, so, southern India is very different than northern India. I mean, that's just within India. America is the same way. You know, you go to the West Coast and the East Coast, you're, you're talking to two different people. And so reading, to me, that's what I get excited about. And I like to one of my mentors, Charlie Tremendous Jones, he used to say, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. 
So I always remind people, make sure to surround yourself with people that lift you up and fill your mind with really good books. Uh, the book I'm writing right now, this last book uh, I wrote, The Leadership Begins with Motivation, is filled with just a, a bunch of inspirational stories. And when I was a teacher, my kids were the only kids in school that were never tardy. And it's because I always started off by reading them a story and the kids always wanted to hear the story. But after I read this book, after I wrote it, I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, so many of my examples are of white male Americans. And so now the book I'm writing is mostly minorities, women, and international examples. I, I was actually just researching a guy in India yesterday, and I can't remember his name. I apologize. But it's a great story about this illiterate farmer. He was 18 years old in um, northeast India, and uh, his river uh, he, he notices there's 200 dead snakes because of the drought. And so the, the next day he decided to plant a tree. And the day after that, he planted a tree. Well, 40 years later, he's got a huge national forest, which is twice the size of Central Park in New York City. They have 100 elephants there. They got jaguars, rare birds. Uh, they got the farmer, the illiterate farmer who's still alive. He's about 60 years old. They named the national park after him. India gave him one of their highest civilian honors. And all that guy did was he planted a tree every day. And it's such a beautiful story, AJ, because it just shows the power of one person. A lot of the people in your audience, they're just starting a little business and they think it's a little business, but your business can change the world. It can definitely change the prospects of your family. You know, and I know it's it's been a struggle for a lot of people out there. Well, that's what... Our job is, AJ, is to encourage those people and say, hey, you know, the, the, the sunrise is its brightest, but it's really dark right before sunrise. So you just got to keep on pushing. That's what I'm always telling people is you can't fail if you never give up. I mean, there's two types of people. There's the ASAP people, which is as soon as possible. And there's the ALAP people, which is as long as it takes. I mean, keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. Wonderful. Wonderful. When is this new book? coming up? I don't know. I, AJ, I've been working on this thing forever. It's driving me crazy. It, I'm kind of like a puppy. And this is why I love you and your audience, because entrepreneurs are like that. They just look at opportunities. We look at things differently. Everything's a different opportunity. And uh, I was writing the book, and then I, I got involved with Cyber Smarties and with the social media. I still have uh, my uh, thereadinghabit.com, which is my reading program to train parents how to get the kids reading. I'm now coaching, uh, I've been coaching business people how to create engaging presentations to get their audience to take the next step, whether it's to buy their, uh, buy their product or to uh, invest in their idea. Uh, and then I still speak all over the world. Um, yeah, you know, this is why I like being a journalist. They gave you deadlines. I need to give myself a deadline, AJ. Maybe if you give me a deadline, it'll, it'll give me a reason to finish the book. <laughs> It's, it's okay. Some of the best copies are written at the end of the deadline when you when you actually put yourself fully into the work. Before that, it, that's why, you know, some people are better in terms of news because you uh, the news sets the deadline. There is a news break and you have to put it out. That's There's right. no other way out of it. Got to do it. Isn't it? But leaders, leaders also have got, have got a job to do. So we talked yeah. about Reading, you do try a lot and you are trying and bringing joy back into education and the workplace. But as of today, the workplaces, we know the state of education. We talked about reading. 
in terms of uh, workplaces a lot of these workplaces have to have leaders either you can call them ceos the posts but what is lacking in our leaders is it the lack of reading or are they reading the wrong books which mm. books they should read so that there is better leadership more talk about leadership about actually leading people to success and not talking about their own success what is it that you see you talk to a lot of leaders yeah. you talk to a lot of executives their employees and talk about motivating them talk to them about speaking about presentation what is it that is right but somewhere there is there is not so right also they are leading to great resignation toxicities in workplaces and somewhere that leadership is out but only what remains is that empathy is out and it remains is that those places are more about executives bosses and cxos and all how do we change those things and move more towards leading people uh, you know and not less about just managing people what would you suggest what books should they, should they read where do they begin so that it becomes a better world and there is actually joy in our workplaces yeah so that's a great question aj i i and we had had this conversation earlier usually when i'm working with a, a ceo or a, a business owner or even an entrepreneur that's the first question i ask is well what's your greatest challenge and they'll they'll whatever they list i'm listening to that challenge and i say okay so what we have to do for reading is we have to be very intentional about our reading So if it's uh if your crisis in the company is a management style, well then we need to be very intentional and start reading books about how people not just in industry but in all kinds of different walks, how do they manage things? I you know, I felt way in over my head when I started training corporate people because I said, well, I used to just be a school teacher. I mean, what can a school teacher teach a corporation about management? And one of my friends uh He, he runs a hundred million dollar company, and he said, "Danny, if you can convince a fourteen year old to read Shakespeare, I know you can convince my employees to to buy into our ideas and idea." And I thought about that. I'm like, "Oh, that's a really good point." And you know, managing a classroom of students. I mean, a lot of my students didn't want to be there, and I had to figure out the motivational styles of my different students. I mean, some people you pat them on the back, and some people you got to kick them in the butt. Um, and so I'm very intentional. I was working with a, a gentleman a couple of weeks ago, and he's in marketing. And so we were looking at marketing books. And I'll read a book, AJ. In all honesty, the entire book can stink, but if there's one great example or one little story, it was worth my time. So I read this book that was a total. I hated the book, but there was one story, and this guy now uses it with his company. Was It was about this marketing guy who was going around the world trying to figure out what the next big idea was. How could he make his fortune? He was in Chile, in South America. He's watching these fishermen fish, and he notices they're catching all these fish, and then there's some fish that they have to throw away because they're not the fish that they're supposed to be catching. But what he noticed was those were the fish the fishermen would eat. And he asked the fishermen, he said, "Well, what?" Do you have to eat those because you're 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 getting paid for these fish? And, and they're like, no, no. It's, we actually eat this fish because it's much better than the fish that we catch for the company. And 
So the guy tried the fish. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is the best fish I've ever had. He said, what do you call it? And they're like, oh, it's called the toothfish. He's like, the toothfish? That's the worst name ever. But it gave him an idea. And so he took it to the United States and he renamed it the Chilean sea bass. And it's the most popular fish dish in America. That's the power of marketing. And so this gentleman, that's what we were working on. Uh, you know, uh, how did, it, it just depends on what a person wants. I mean, if they're running a nonprofit charity and they need people to make donations, then I'm going to read books to them about, well, how have people, like we'll read about politicians. How do politicians get people to donate money to them? Or uh, how does Mother Teresa get people to uh, donate uh, to her charity. What what are the different strategies there? And that's what I love. I mean, some people, they collect cars. Some people collect stamps. I collect stories. I love stories. Like I'll, I, and that's really uh, when I'm teaching people how to speak for their company, I always say, well, the best stories, you know, don't tell people about your successes. Tell them about your failures because not everybody in your audience has succeeded, but they've all failed. And the more you talk about your failures and show some humility, they're going to love you. And so here's a, here's a, a strategy for your audience that I, I teach people. I say, so what I want you to do is tonight get out a pen and paper, a libation of choice, and I want you just to sit there and write down every story that's ever happened in your life. And I don't mean the entire story. I just mean triggers. So uh, oh, the time I locked myself out of the car out in front of that grocery store. Oh, the time dad spilt mustard on his tie in that fancy restaurant. Well, you'll come up with about 500 stories in just an hour. And then the second part of the exercise then is to then figure out, well, what's the moral of that story? Oh, when I locked myself out of the car, that was really a story about adversity. Oh, when I, when I, uh, tattletailed on my brother in first grade. That's really a story about responsibility. And so on my computer, I just have file after file with just different topics. Like here's stories of loyalty. Here's inspirational stories. Here's stories about leadership. Uh, here's stories about dealing with a crisis. And so whenever I have to give a talk, now I have those stories. Now, some people say, well, nothing's ever, in nothing's ever happened to me. I'm like, well, that's just a lie. Everybody has an interesting story. But even for people like that, and this will get to the heart of your question, one of the most popular self-help books, personal development books of all time is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, in which he doesn't share a single personal story. Every story he's sharing is about a different millionaire that he interviewed. And this is why I'm reading. I'm always trying to figure, I mean, I just read the biography of Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. And there were two stories in that book that were fascinating to me. One was he had a new girlfriend. And so Elon Musk is asking the biographer, he said, I'm, I'm considering allocating eight and a quarter hours per week to her. Is that sufficient? <laughs> Who talks like that? And then the story that I loved, though, was he kept, he'd always ask questions to all of his engineers on the floor at SpaceX. And they got annoyed. They're like, you know, I'm already hired. Why is he interviewing me all the time? But then they started to talk to one another and they said, wait a second, he's listening to our answers. He's learning and we think he's learned it better than we understand it now. I'm like, wow, that's, that's somebody that, and he was bullied as a child. So he brings in both of my passions, uh, cyberbullying and uh, reading. So he spent all this time in the library. After he read every library book, he then went to the bookstore and started reading all the bookstore books. I mean, 
when I was in Tamil Nadu, I went to the, this huge book festival and I was just so pleased. I mean, heck, I, I might I might just have to move to India because books are so cheap in India. I mean, compared to America, I mean, the average American business book is $25. When I was in Tamil Nadu, they were under $2. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and the way they make money, we talked about is because of volume. They sell a billion of them. Um, but I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I just loved the... Uh, the emphasis, you just saw people were so impressed by education and, and educating their minds. I mean, I think a lot of the people that are listening to this. I'm just preaching to the choir. They understand that. I mean, and it's not just reading. I, I work with lots of dyslexics. A lot of people don't realize that over half of the world's Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. They have reading disabilities. Well, the thing is, dyslexics process information much better with their ears and so I always tell them, well, they get the audio book. You can listen to the audio book and get, and they, that's what a lot of them do. That's why they're listening to your podcast right now. A lot of them process information better with your ears. I'm like, that's great. That's your strength. I mean, figure out what your strength is. And that's what I do with kids. It's what I do with adults too. It's like, oh, okay, okay, well, what's your interest? What's your strength? You know, a kid tells me they hate reading. And I'm like, well, I hated reading. I know exactly where you're coming from. So it's not a big deal. Um, look, you can focus on the solution or you can focus on the problem. Everybody likes to give themselves a crutch. You know, uh, when I was speaking in um, Bangalore, I had a six-year-old boy come up to me afterwards. He had tears in his eyes because I I pumped up all the kids, but he's crying. And I noticed he's missing his left arm. He just has a stump for a left arm. And he looks up at me with tears in his eyes. He's like, how can somebody like me succeed? And I, I crouch down, I get to his eye level and I say, you know, when I was your age, I went to 18 different schools before I was 12 years old. You know, all the, all the kids and all the teachers called me stupid because I stuttered. And finally, I got a teacher who spent time one-on-one -on -one with me, and she would sing things to me, and I would sing them back, and I didn't have my stutter when I sang. It was kind of like the movie The King's Speech. You know, and then I grew up and I became a swan. But I, I, I looked at the little boy and I say, isn't it interesting that the little boy they said was stupid who couldn't talk right now gets paid tons of money traveling the world to do what? To speak. And you should, AJ, you just should have seen the grin on his face. I said, don't let anybody ever tell you what you cannot do. You know, great things happen every single day. I mean... I, I go back to the story of Gandhi. I, I just love reading about people like Gandhi. I'm like, where did Gandhi come from? Who thinks like this guy brought down the British Empire without firing a shot? I mean, how did he do that? When I read A Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, I'm like, this guy was in prison for 27 years doing what? Doing something that is a right for every American. He criticized his government. And he came out of there and every when he became president, all the whites were freaking out. They're like, uh-oh, here comes vengeance time. And so what did he do? He created the Truth and Reconciliation Council where the official government policy was any white who had killed a black during apartheid had to go up in front of the family of the person that they murdered, admit to murdering them, apologize, and they were forgiven. That was the official government policy. And it sounds crazy, but you know what it did is it united the country almost instantaneously. You look at Abraham Lincoln, president of the United States, you know, when he was elected president, 
What did he do? He took all of his political rivals and made them his cabinet. This is not an exaggeration. It would have been the equivalent of President Joe Biden naming Donald Trump his secretary of state. This is exactly what Lincoln did. All of these guys hated his guts. And by the time he was assassinated, they were all inconsolable. They're like, we've lost the greatest leader ever. Lincoln has one of my favorite quotes of all time. He said, I know the best way to defeat my enemies. I shall make them my friends. Who thinks like that? Gandhi, an eye for an eye only makes the whole world blind. Who thinks like that? That's why I read, AJ. Wow, this is where I'm getting my ideas. If I'm a leader, I want, I'll, I'll look at sports, you know? You know, look at cricket. Look at the best cricket players. Figure, figure out, well, what was their strategy? You don't become the world's greatest cricket player overnight. You practice. They work harder than everybody else. People don't see the work. And that's the same thing with any leaders. I, I go to so many conferences and I laugh because people say, oh, work smarter, not harder. Well, that sounds great. But the truth is leaders work smarter and harder. I mean, I guarantee you, Mark Zuckerberg spends 20 hours a day at work. You know, uh, the president of the United States, the prime minister, Prime Minister Modi, he's working every all the time. I mean, that guy's work. I have no idea how anybody. I don't understand why a politician would choose to do that. I just don't under. Their, their lives are miserable. Every minute is scripted. I mean, I don't even know when they sleep, when they relax. You don't get to see it. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at you know Prime Minister Modi. Modi for like. Two years was on the road everywhere around the world trying to attract business into India. He's an incredible – I have no idea where the stamina comes from. Um, but, so that's what I'm, I'm studying. I'm always, I'm always studying. This is why every leader has to do this. But you've got to be intentional about your reading. What is it that you want to accomplish? The same thing when I'm working with a, a business person on their presentation. Before we do anything, I say, okay, you have to answer these two questions. Who is your audience? And what is the problem you solve for your audience? If you can answer those two questions, you're in good shape. If you can't answer those two questions, you don't have a business. You know, you have entertainment, but it's not. You want your audience to be looking in, leaning in. What did he just say? How do I how do I work further with that person? That's the only way I judge success in any presentation. It's not that I got a standing ovation. That's great. It's not that a person says, oh, you're a really good speaker. That's great. But that's not all I judge is do people give me their names and emails? Do people buy my books? Do people say, I need you to coach me? That's how you judge the success of a presentation. If you're a business person, that's a, we have one job to get you more customers. How do we get you more customers? We, we, it's, and this is from reading is you tell interesting stories. Indian culture has tons of the best stories. I mean, when I read Siddhartha, I was just blown away. I'm like, this is like, the easy, I love it. I chose it when I was a kid because it was a small book. Wow. So many gems in one small book. And that's what I tell people too. Don't judge a book by its size because a lot of the best things I've ever read, I mean, you too, you know, we'll read as journalists, you'll read your colleagues and every now and then I'm reading a colleague's work. And I'm like, wow, that's just a gift. I mean, in Eight paragraphs. They did a better job than I could do in 300 pages. It's unbelievable. <laughs> right. Right. Indeed. Indeed, Danny. So you talked about success and, and you know, to, to the little kid and, and, and with, he had tears in his eyes. In your case, see, you, you, you had difficulty in speaking. Now you speak across the world. You speak to 
topmost people you teach people how to speak and in your case you not only speak you also sing i saw that video of yours that trailer you were singing in front of that whole audience and mostly teachers and they were all singing with you and that was such a lovely thing to see <laughs> that is what success is all about that mm. the world sings with you and that is the message you gave to the kid yeah. what message would you like to give for leaders we talked about reading we talked about leading so now about success what would you like to talk about success how did you define your own success when you were having that problem in talking as clearly that was needed and you could not and then you define your own way now you are a successful person i don't know how you define it but the world sees you as a very successful person how should one define success what is the way to achieve success what is the relationship between reading and success how do you that's that's a, a great question aj i mean i like tony robbins always says that happiness is progress and I, i i agree with that word progress how are we better today than we were yesterday i mean with anybody i'm working with i say well there's three primary motivations in most human beings they want to increase their income they want to increase their freedom and they want to increase their impact so if you can address those three things then i believe you're successful i mean you can't be successful you know i have an activity with um the people i coach you know i i used to be a teacher so i always have to put things in ways that people remember them and so i call it uh your your seven f's to success so you the first one is focus and then that brings everything else together and so focus leads to uh your financial goals your fitness goals your family goals your faith goals your fulfillment goals and your fun goals and what the exercise is and uh, this isn't unique to me i i learned this from uh, zig ziglar many years ago is spokes in a wheel and so this is something everybody listening can do so you you take something like financial goals and you you, you draw a wheel and you draw spokes to the to the wheel and you say okay on a scale of 1 to 10 where are you right now on your financial goals and a person will say well my business we're doing a million dollars i'd rather do 5 million so i guess we're probably about a 6 i'm like okay there's your 6 we put that number on this on this on one spoke i'm like okay so with your faith have you have you been how where do you feel your faith whether you're you know you're you're hindu or you're buddhist you're christian you're muslim you're jewish what where do you rate your faith right now and the person says well i don't really pray i don't really take any time to meditate i guess i'm probably a 3 okay there's a 3 How about with the family? Are you spending time with your family? Do you have relationships with your loved ones? And oh yeah, I, I spend a lot of time with my family. I'd probably give it a nine. I'm like, okay, great. Um, fun? Are you having fun? Do you get to travel? Do whatever? Do you pursue hobbies? You know. Anyway, we do this for each of those different areas. Uh, you know, fitness. Uh, are you taking care of your body? You know, oh, I, I I've been spending so much time at work. I don't take walks. You know, I don't do. I'm like, so that's a one. Okay. And then the exercise is then you just have to connect the dots and if they don't form a perfect circle you're out of balance and you're going to feel like a failure. So what we have to do for success is we want and maybe you're a one on everything as long as it forms a perfect circle that's the most important thing. I mean there's plenty of people that are content which is fine. I don't begrudge those people. There's people that are content 
with what they do. I mean, that's the, the funny story of the, the fishermen and the, you know, you know the story where the Harvard graduate business business graduate is like, "Wait, you fish? What do you do every day?" He's like, "Well, I I, I, I sleep in every day, and then I'll I'll go out and I'll catch a fish, and then we fry it, and I drink a beer with my friends, and we eat, and we chat, and go to bed." He's like, "That's crazy. You know what you need to do is to modernize this, and you can you can get all your friends fishing, and you can get a fleet of ships, and you know, and then you can create a business, and then you know." Uh, we can expand internationally within 20, 30 years, maybe you can sell your business. And then every day you can sleep in and catch a fish and drink a beer with your friends. <laughs> you know, some people are content with what they have. But one, of the, one of the greatest things about India, what made me adore it, which it was one of my lifetime. When I saw the movie Gandhi and he travels the country in the train, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got to see India. And I, I got to go back because I've only been to southern India. I mean, you're in Delhi. I mean, there's so much of the country I haven't even gone near. First of all, I could become a vegetarian because Indians know how to use spices. I mean, I never knew I liked cauliflower until I was in India. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Um, but second of all, I love getting people to laugh. And Indians have the greatest smiles, the greatest spirit. I actually feel like I'm in the presence of God when I'm in India. I have never seen anything like it in my life. I, As far as a speaker, there is nothing more powerful than speaking in India because everybody's always paying attention. They're always smiling. They're excited. Uh, you know, I tend to be an energetic speaker, but uh, gosh, I, I've... I've kind of rambled on this one, AJ. <laughs> I don't even know if I've answered the question, but I think success, I get, I, I, okay, yeah, we're talking about success. So really, when I'm working with business people, I say, well, again, your three motivations are, do you want to make more money? Do you want to have more freedom? Or do you want to boost your impact on the world? Now, hopefully you want all three of those things. Some people, you know, I, I actually stopped working. I was working with a billionaire and... Um, <laughs> Just a jerk. I, I, he, I asked him what his goal in life was, and he said the next hundred million. And I thought, wow, what a wasted life! You're so focused on money, you forgot the other two important elements. Um, you know, and I tell, but I would also say the same thing. I know plenty of people that run nonprofits that are having a huge impact, whether they're helping kids learn how to read or they're, you know, they're working with homeless people, but they're not making any money. And so their spirit is, isn't there either. And I'm like, well, we need to figure out a way you can make income at this too, you know, or most of the audience listening right now, if they're business people, yeah, maybe there's, maybe they're having an impact with their business, which is great. Maybe they're making a lot of income, but they, they're spending 23 hours a day at work. They have no time for themselves. They have no time for their loved ones. They have no time to just kind of replenish that. And so what, that's what we're trying to figure out for success is success. You have all three of those things. I mean, in America, I give the example. There was a comedian, John Belushi, who had the number one TV show. He had the number one movie. He came out with the number one album, you know, so successful. And he dropped, he died of a drug overdose. So he wasn't very successful. There was something missing in his life. So that's something I think it's very important for everybody listening is figure out. You really need to figure out all those different out. You can call them whatever you want. I mean, you, Figure out your emotional needs, your physical needs, your mental needs. I mean, listening to this podcast is a good thing. I mean, I always tell people, I, I was watching a show on TV the other night. It was horrible. It was called uh, The News, and it depressed me. 
I don't watch the news anymore because it doesn't serve me. I listen to your podcast. I read books that are inspirational. I don't want to see all the negativity in the world because there's it's always going to be there. But no great thing ever in history was accomplished by a pessimist. You got to figure out. It's one of the things I stress with people when I'm teaching them how to speak. AJ, I just judged a speaking contest. There were 1,300 speeches, and not a single one of them was funny. They were all depressing. And I'm not going to completely discount depressing stories, but we just came out of a global pandemic. Everybody has sad stories. I think the world needs a lot more hope. I want people to laugh. You know, I, I take my job seriously. I don't take myself seriously because I'm not all that and neither are you. And if you think you're all that, teach five-year-olds. Five-year-olds will set you straight immediately. One day when I was my five-year-olds, I had one little girl, LaShonda. I'm like, LaShonda, question. And she's like, Mr. Brassell, when are you going to trim your nose hair? I'm like, good <laughs> afternoon. Thanks, thanks for bringing that to my attention, LaShonda. And that's what I, I actually love being around kids because kids look at the world in a totally different way. And it's a beautiful way of looking at it. I, I actually... I wrote a letter to the editor of a major newspaper recently because they had an article that said the president and Congress were behaving like children. And the gist of my letter to the editor was that is such an insult to children because <laughs> children, children get over it, AJ. Adults, we're the ones that hold grudges. The thing I love about kids, they get in a fight and 10 minutes later they're holding hands like, this is my best friend. We can learn a lot from that. That's something... I want to be around people like that. I don't want to be around. And I, I love kids because they don't know what they can't do yet. And it's adults that are always telling you, you can't, you can't, you can't. But if we always listen to those people and then getting back to the technology component, this is where I get excited is right now there's some kid in rural India on a dirt floor barefoot. Maybe they didn't even eat breakfast, but if they have a laptop and an internet connection, they have the same access as the, head of Google. The world just got a whole lot smaller and the person that's going to cure cancer could come from the middle of nowhere. They don't have to be born in New York City anymore. The person that figures out a way to make the climate change reverse so that we're fine, you know, that person can be in what like that's that gets me excited. I, I get very excited when I think about those possibilities. And that's where you and I are different than other people. You got everybody else's telling you what's wrong with the world. Well, we're all about, well, here's what's right. And here's why we should be enthusiastic about where we're going. I'm very excited. Long wonderful. question, very short question on success, AJ. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You, you are the master for today. And, and uh, this master certainly needs some time to explain things because we are talking about one thing. We are talking about reading. We are talking about leading. And we are also talking about success. So, you have put all those things very, very well for the audience, Danny, and, and that is going to be there on the internet for a long, long time, perhaps as long as the internet is. So that is going to be very, very helpful for a long, a lot of Thank you, AJ. Oh, I also, as a, as a thank you to you and your audience for having me today, I wanted to give everybody a couple of gifts. So if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, here, I'll type it in the chat for you, free gift from danny.com. If you go there, I'm going to give you a couple of uh, gifts. First of all, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for a uh, school principal 
who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. And so every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. I'm also going to give everybody access to last summer. I did a five-day reading challenge online for about 700 parents around the world, where every day for an hour for a week, I'm going to give you all kinds of ideas on ways to get your kids excited about reading. Because the more excited you are to read, the more likely you are to read, and the more you read, the better you get. Uh, those are both at freegiftfromdanny.com. And I just, I just really, I, I'm so appreciative for you, AJ, and just let me support you any way I can. Uh, you keep on spreading uh, just so many positive words, and uh, I, I just really appreciate all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate the gift that you have given, the gift that is free gift from danny.com. I put it on the comment section so yeah. that people can have a look at this. And also I'll put it on the YouTube description and the show notes so that people are able to make the best of this thing. Now, I have a couple of questions still, not in this, in, in, in terms of questions, but actually, you know, you have spoken so well, but there is so much to still learn from you about all the things that we discussed, uh, Danny. So how can people connect with you? How can they make the best of your experiences in life? How can they know more about public speaking, presentation? How can they connect? How can businesses connect with you so that they can take their services, your services? And you know, overall, how do they make the best of you? How do they connect? Oh, man, you're better than my public relations director, uh, AJ. This is great. <laughs> People just go to uh, dannybrassell.com. My last name is really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras cell. No, I never took any grief over that as a child. If you go to dannybrassell.com, uh, you'll be able to connect with me anyway. Uh, I, I speak all around the world. Uh, there's information there on my uh, reading engagement program uh, for parents. Um, there's, uh, I believe we still have the link for Cyber Smarties. Cyber Smarties is actually, uh, it's starting to boom in India, especially. Uh, and then, if, of course, if you uh, are an entrepreneur or a business owner or a doctor, anybody who really wants to figure out a way to create powerful presentations that get your audience to take the next step, you can uh, contact me there. Wonderful, wonderful. My last question to you, Danny, is that from a child who uh, had difficulty in speaking as fluently as you wanted to, now you are singing, now you, you are telling people speaking in front of big audiences, and now you are teaching them how to speak, how to speak well so that they can learn best. From the position that you are in, now you are a very confident person. You can decide about yourself. What is it that that you seek for yourself at this stage? Oh, wow. That's a very deep question, AJ. Um, you know, I, I actually seek these types of things, AJ, just being able to connect with you for an hour. I, I value now when I have a human being in front of me, I think the pandemic really screwed us up up a lot in our brains. Humans are, are creatures that are social. And uh, 
uh, now the person is talking to me, I actually really want to talk to them and, and be present for them and uh, serve them any way I can. Uh, I actually have a game I play. Uh, I always look for a miserable person every single day, which is really easy because I'm in a lot of airports and there's a lot of miserable people at airports. And so my my uh, little goal is when I find a miserable person, I try and figure out a way to get them to, to smile and laugh. Uh, those are the things that I, I really look forward to because, again, life's too short. I, I, um, I was working with a, uh, a financial planner the other day on his presentation, and he, he – People like, they're like, Danny, can you give me something funny to say in the presentation? And so I, I said, well, what do you sell? He says, I sell 401ks. And, and I'm like, okay, well, there's your line. All you have to do is say 401k. I can't even walk a 5k. It's not that funny. It's people to smile a little bit. That's all. You, I had a woman, uh, she, uh, she survived cancer and her kid died in a car crash. It's a horrible story. And so she said she's walking on a beach and she heard a voice tell her that this is her mission. And she's trying to figure out, she's like, this is too deep. How do I make it humorous? And I said, okay, when you heard the voice, you thought it was God. So that's what you can say is, uh, you know, I was walking on the beach and I heard this voice and I thought it was God. Pause. But it was really just the lifeguard telling me to get away, you know, something like that. It's just, just little things. People need to laugh a lot more. I, I think the world would be a lot better off if uh, all of us had a drink together, went bowling, uh, did something silly together. I, and really, you touched upon one of my passions, AJ, is I'm not a very good singer. And if you're not a good singer, then you should sing every single day. I always tell people, how do you expect other people to take risk if you're no, not never willing to take a risk? You know, I... I'm a horrible singer, so I sing and dance every single day. You know, I, I'm a horrible speller, and so I, 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 make, I make all kinds of spelling mistakes every single day. You know, uh, I, I, I'm a horrible artist, so I draw every single day. You know, I used to always tell that to my students. I'm like, if you knew it already, why are you here? You should be making 25 mistakes a day, and if you look at – Progress, that word we were talking about earlier, the way we make progress is we make lots of mistakes and we get the solution from other people looking at the mistakes saying, huh, what if we tried it this way? I mean, that gets me excited. There's people out there all the time. I just realized I was reading a story the other day. I didn't realize that Alexander Graham Bell, there was another guy that invented the phone at the same time from Germany, but he missed, he, he gave up right before he was this close to the solution, but he gave up just before. And there's so many examples of that all over the place where a person, they gave up. You never hear about that person. You hear about the person that didn't give up and they're the one that succeeded. And um, so that's what, that's what gets me excited. This is, I, I watch sports all the time. My wife, it drives her crazy and I love the Olympics and my wife, she hates me watching the Olympics because I usually root against America. And she's like, why do you root against America? And I say, well, who am I going to root for, honey? The, uh, the American with the, the brand new Nike shoes with like microchips in the sole or the barefoot Sudanese refugee who just survived a civil war. And they just did this background story. He's like, oh, I learned how to run when I was running away from the bullets in my village. I'm like, of course I'm rooting for that guy. I mean, how cool, you know, 
Why wouldn't everybody in the world root for Gandhi? Look at this little guy. This little guy brings down the British Empire without firing a shot. Like, look at that guy. Look at Nelson Mandela. Little guy. I thought, where do these people come from? I get inspired by those people all the time. Look at that girl, uh, Greta Thornburg or whatever from Sweden. She's a teenager on climate change. And she talks to world leaders like she's a world leader. I'm like, good for her. I love that. I, I get so excited when I see this all the time. So that's that's what uh, that's what I live for every single day is those uh, inspirational tales and, and stories of people uh, overcoming lots of obstacles. I'm not interested in a person that uh, there's nothing interesting about a story about a billionaire making his next hundred million dollars. There's a lot to be interested in in an untouchable becoming an entrepreneur and getting their entire family out of poverty. I mean. Oh my gosh! I'll I'll read that story every single day, and that's why, that's why I read. There, there, those positive stories are out there if you look for them. <laughs> Wonderful. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, and God bless you, AJ.